politics, culture, chaos. It's time to make sense of it all. It's time to have a little fun. This is your afternoon dose of sanity. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Remember something, if you think the price of Biden's plan is zero dollars, then it's zero dollars, okay? If it identifies as costing zero dollars, then it's zero, all right? If you think it's true, it's true. If you think it's true, it's true. Got it? Got it? Good. That's what the White House is basically trying to sell us this afternoon. Oh, and Merrick Garland wants parents to know, look, we don't think you're domestic terrorists. We're just, you know, using the FBI to intimidate you to be quiet because the the school boards association told us to. And the White House worked on a letter with them. So, you know, but really, we don't think you're terrorists. I mean, but don't make us think that. Don't make us think you're terrorists. Got it? Good afternoon. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Having a good day? I hope so. First, let's begin with uh, the White House press briefing that just wrapped up a short time ago as the White House press secretary, uh, Jean Pierre, said the price tag for the legislation is $0. Now, you have to listen to this. It's incredibly painful to listen to. And basically, the takeaway is uh, I'm going to try to distract you and dance around the question and then at the end say that this costs $0, okay? Because they're still going with this now. $0. Ready? Here we go. And just for clarity, I mean, everyone gets it. The price tag isn't actually zero. These new programs do cost money, right? So why not level with American voters and say that there is a cost here, but they're aiming to do it without raising the deficit? No, we are being uh, honest with the American people. We are being front front. No, it is. We are. It is costing. uh, It is going to bring zero dollars to the to the deficit, and we're being very clear about that because that's what we want to make sure that we're doing right. Because here, once again, we have had people who have been left behind. After this, after this, uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic that we've been living in for a year and a half, we saw even more, more severely how 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 much people have been left behind, and not just been from the COVID. I mean, before then, uh, people, middle class people, working people have been not part of the economy, and now we want to deal them back in. It's been a long time since we did that. The president talked mm-hmm. about that when he was in Scranton, Pennsylvania yesterday. He's going to talk about that, take questions uh, from everyday people today. Uh, at the CNN town hall, which he's very much looking forward to. And he'll probably be asked that question, and he'll answer it as well tonight. So for clarity, there's a cost, but it's not to the deficit. doesn't raise the deficit. These things we do. The price tag for this legislation, Peter, is zero dollars. Zero dollars. If you think it's zero, it's zero. Got it? Good. If it identifies as a big goose egg, it's goose egg. Doesn't matter what it really costs. We think it's zero, therefore it's zero. We're going to tell you it's zero, it's zero. Stop asking questions. People have been left behind. So therefore, it's zero. (laughs) Okay. Attorney General Merrick Garland claims he doesn't know anything about the Loudoun County, Virginia, public school sex assault allegations. This is the allegation that a a, a boy in a skirt sexually assaulted a young girl, which led to a very, very angry father at a school board meeting, which then led to a letter being sent, which led to him writing another letter saying we're going to now use the resources of the FBI to go after parents. But he actually, though, claims he doesn't know anything about that, which is interesting since that's literally the basis for the school board's letter and then the letter that he winds up sending. Are you aware that Loudoun County failed to report this sexual assault according to state law? And are you investigating this? Again, I'm sorry. I don't know anything about this case. 
Are you aware that the Virginia General Assembly, run by Democrats, voted for and Democrat Governor Ralph Northam signed a bill allowing schools to refrain from reporting instances of sexual battery, stalking, violation of a protective order, and violent threats occurring on school property? Is the FBI investigating how this may conflict with the Violence Against Women Act or conflict with your own domestic terrorism uh, efforts? I don't know anything about the Virginia legislation. Do you agree with the following statement? As a father or as a cabinet member, Quote, you don't want parents coming into every different school jurisdiction saying that this is what we sh- which should be taught here and that this is what should be taught here. Look, the Justice Department has no role with respect to what curriculum is taught in the schools. This is a matter uh, for um, local decision-making and not would, for the Justice Department, and we are not in any way suggesting that we have any. I would note that that statement was by a Democratic uh, gubernatorial candidate in the Commonwealth of Virginia. I would note that there are a number of other issues of concerns to the Virginia Department of Education, what's being taught there, and the, fat, the lack and total failure of Loudoun County of reporting all of these incidents that have occurred in Loudoun County public schools. So remember now, <clears throat> what we have now is a situation where we've got the Attorney General of the United States utilizing his office to intimidate parents to shut up, okay? We all know that. And the basis for that is a letter from the National School Boards Association. He admits that, too. He admits that it's because of the letter uh, that was sent to him by the National School Boards Association. First sentence of your memo, the very first, first sentence, you said, in recent months, there's been a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, threats of violence. Yes. When did you first review the data showing this so-called disturbing uptick? So I read the letter, and we have been seeing over time Threats. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't ask you. So you read the letter. That's that's your source. So let me be clear. This is not a prosecution or an is there some study, some effort, some investigation. Someone did that said there's been a disturbing uptake or you just take the words of the National School Board Association. Well, the National School Board Association, which represents thousands of school boards and school board members, says that there are these kind of threats. When we read in the newspapers reports of threats of violence, when that is in the context of threats of violence, the source all, for this, for the very first line in your in your memo, time of the gentleman has expired. Was the school the board time association of the gentleman has letter expired, Mr. Deutsch? There you go, there you go. Gentlemen's time has expired because the truth of the matter is, this is the truth. The Attorney General of the United States is doing something that is completely political. So let's back up for a second, shall we? The National School Boards Association collaborated with the White House in the weeks before the infamous domestic terrorism letter was sent. Now, this was reported by Free Beacon earlier today. National School Boards Association collaborated with Biden administration, according to the records. County's largest, country's largest school board association collaborated with the Biden White House before sending a controversial letter calling on the FBI to investigate parents as potential domestic terrorists. These are emails obtained by parents defending education through public records requests and reviewed by the Washington Free Beacon and revealed the National School Boards Association's president and CEO sent the letter to Biden on September 29th without approval from the organization's board. This is the letter, of course, that said that the acts of some parents at school board meetings across the country could be considered a form of domestic terrorism and hate crimes, right? The emails also show that the White House asked the association for examples of threats against school board members days before the attorney general created a task force of officials from the FBI and the Justice Department to determine how to prosecute alleged crimes at school board meetings. Now, the letter makes clear that the White House was aware of the letter before it released the letter, while raising questions about whether the White House colluded with the association on the letter to then prompt federal action. So this is allegations of the Biden administration 
trying to stifle dissent among parents. Of course, parents that speak up at school board meetings, which is happening all over our area, by the way. Parents are speaking up at school board meetings because they're tired of what's happening. They're tired of it. Members of the National School Boards Association's board of directors voiced frustration that officials sent out the letter without their approval. One director at the association said that the letter had reawakened hostilities that were just beginning to subside. Quote, many of us have been put in a position now of explaining or defending this action of our association as we are asked by members of our community if we consider them domestic terrorists for showing up to meetings and expressing their opinions. That was said by John W. Halkius, a director from the association's central region who wrote that on October 1st. Halkius said that he and other board members would not have likely approved the letter, which he said, quote, used terms that were extreme and asked for action by the federal government that many of us would not request. Viola Garcia, who is the president of the association, and Chip Slavin, the CEO of the association, disclosed in other emails to the board, they had been in consultation with the White House and the Department of Education regarding an alleged rise in cases of irate parents showing up to school board meetings. Now, a lot of parents are irate out there. I talk to them all the time. They're very, very irate, but they're also not domestic terrorists. They're not domestic terrorists. And the White House now work with the National School Boards Administration to come up with this letter that would be sent to the Attorney General. And it shows something, too, which is the Attorney General, whose son-in-law, and we'll get to that in a second, has a financial interest in making sure that all these various curriculums are taught in schools. The Attorney General has lots of conflicts here. Biden administration worked with the National Association of School Boards on the infamous letter calling concerned parents domestic terrorists. Now, this is collusion. This is a very definition of collusion. This is collusion between the White House and the National School Boards Association with the express purpose of sending it now to the Attorney General for him to use the law enforcement, federal law enforcement, to tar- target parents and target parents speaking out at school board meetings. So we have it now. Absolutely. We've got it lock, stock, and barrel that this was done and that this was collusion by the, by the White House. So let's back up then to Merrick Garland. And this conflict of interest that he has. And it's a, it's a big one. It's a big conflict of interest with his son-in-law, no doubt about it. But the real question, of course, is why are more people not upset by Merrick Garland and what he's threatening to do with parents? Why he's threatening now to have parents basically uh, uh, locked up and, and intimidated by the FBI. And that's really what it comes down to is intimidation. It's intimidation. You know, if you know that the FBI might be looking into school board meetings, you, you may just keep your mouth shut because you don't want to lose your job. You know, you, you don't want to be you don't want to be in a situation where you get called into HR because you were part of a ruckus school board meeting and now you're under federal investigation. I mean, it's not that they're going to actually put parents in prison. This is all about just shutting you up and making you sit down. That's it. That's all it is. And and I'm telling you right now, it's so incredibly terrifying that we're allowing this kind of government to go on. There's a member of Congress today who's from Russia who spoke out, and she said the FBI is acting like the KGB. FBI is acting like the KGB. But Merrick Garland has financial ties, family financial ties, to critical race theory, which is one of the things that's causing parents to be upset at school board meetings. Parents are speaking out at school board meetings because they don't like the fact that critical race theory is being taught. And Merrick Garland's son-in-law works for a company that pushes surveys and other indoctrination materials for schools on topics like critical race theory. Merrick Garland sends a letter to school boards and and, and to the FBI saying, you better go to school board meetings and make sure parents don't, don't get angry over things like critical race theory. 
Got it? How it all connects to each other? It all connects. And by the way, even if he didn't have a family financial interest, because to me, that's not even the big part of the story. The big part of the story is an attorney general using federal law enforcement for political purposes to silence the opposition. And that's what this is. This is federal law enforcement being used to silence the opposition. Question is, the thing that has concerned many of those parents that are showing up at these school board meetings, the, the, the very basis of their objection and their vigorous debate, as you mentioned earlier, is the curricula, the very curricula that your son-in-law is selling. So to millions of Americans, I mean, my constituents, I was home all weekend, I got an earful about this. They're very concerned about that. Subpart E of that federal regulation says an employee of the executive branch is discouraged from encouraging con- engaging in conduct that's likely to affect the financial interest of someone close to them. Your, your son-in-law, your daughter, uh, clearly meets that definition. And, and so the question is, uh, did, did you follow that regulation? Did you have the appropriate agency ethic official look into this? Did you seek guidance as the federal regulation requires? This memorandum is aimed at violence and threats of violence. I understand that, but no did, did you see, excuse me, did you seek ethics counsel before you issued a letter that directly relates to the financial interest of your family? Yes or no? This memorandum does not relate to the financial interests of anyone. It's a th- it's against. I take that as a no. I take that as a no. Memorandum is against violence and threats of violence. I will will you, Mr. Attorney General, will you commit to having the appropriate ethics designee review the case and make the results public? This memorandum is aimed at violence and threats of See, violence. I understand your talking point. You're not answering my question, Mr. Attorney General. Answer. With all due respect, will you submit to an ethics review of this matter, yes or no? There is no company in America or hopefully no law-abiding citizen in America who believes that threats of violence should not be prevented. There are no conflicts of interest that anyone could have. According to you, but sir, with due respect, that's the purpose of the federal regulation. We need objective third parties to review our activities. You don't get to make that decision yourself. It doesn't matter. You're the top, you're the chief law enforcement of this country. This raises questions in the minds of millions of Americans, and your impartiality is being called into question. Why would you not submit to a simple ethics review of that? I am exquisitely aware of the ethics requirements. But you're not following them. I have followed them and lived with them for the last 25 years. Did you seek an ethics review of this or not? I'm going to say again, there are no conflicts of interest involved when the Justice Department... Okay, okay. According to you, I got that. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but you are not respecting our rules, our constitutional norms, and the federal law that directly applies to your activities. I mean... Just imagine, imagine for a moment now, if one of Trump's kids had had a financial interest in Trump using the power of the FBI and the Justice Department to go after opposition to his son's financial interest, because that's really what this is, right? I mean, this is the, the White House now we know using their power to work with the School Board Association to send it to Merrick Garland, and Merrick Garland doesn't turn around and go, hey, look, uh, my son-in-law works in this biz, so let me just check with ethics and make sure this is cool. He doesn't do that. Why would he do that? Of course, no one's going to care. No one's going to tell him, no, he's the Attorney General of the United States. He should know himself, but, I mean, he's not going to do that. So, when you go to a school board meeting later today and you speak up, remember... 
The FBI may be watching you. He says he knows of no instance where he could imagine the Patriot Act ever being used against the parent. That's what he said. But remember something. The National School Boards Association literally cites the Patriot Act in their letter. Literally cites it in their letter. And Merrick Garland goes, well, I I can't imagine any circumstance where that would be used. I mean, how could that be used? Quote, and I want to be clear, the Justice Department supports and defends the First Amendment right of parents to complain as vociferously as they wish about the education of their children, about the curriculum taught in the schools. That is not what the memorandum is all about, nor does it use the words domestic terrorism or Patriot Act like you. I can't imagine any circumstance in which the Patriot Act would be used in the circumstances of parents complaining about their children, nor can I imagine the circumstances where they would be labeled as domestic terrorism end quote here's my question i can't imagine the circumstances in which the federal government would be involved in what happens at a local school board meeting let me say that again really a statement not a question i can't imagine the circumstances where the federal government of the united states the federal law enforcement division of the united states the federal bureau of investigation would be involved with or concerned with what happens at a local school board meeting And yet here we are. Here we are now. Just enough to silence you and shut you up. And yes, the Patriot Act was cited in the letter from the National School Boards Association that we now know was worked on in conjunction with the White House. The collusion between the White House and that letter. And yes, it definitely quoted the said the Patriot Act, among other things. So. Now you have Merrick Garland, the Attorney General of the United States, saying that, yes, that letter contributed to the probe of parents. Obviously, obviously, he says, obviously. And we know that that letter literally cites the Patriot Act, among other various federal statutes regarding domestic terrorism and all the other nonsense. So, how can you sit here and tell me then that Merrick Garland would not try to use every lever at his disposal as Attorney General to find out if things are going bad at school board meetings? Of course he would. Of course he would, because he's literally saying he's going to. But what he's saying is parents can complain vociferously. Just remember, we're watching you. Just remember, we're listening. Just remember, we're waiting to see if it goes from vociferous to maybe something a little bit too rough. Now, first of all, we have local law enforcement for that. So if a parent's at a school board meeting and a parent's being rude and a parent's being belligerent and crosses the line into breaking the law, because you could be rude and belligerent under the First Amendment, you're allowed to do that. So if that happens where a parent crosses the line into now threatening or committing violence or anything like that, well, that's why local law enforcement's there. My town police can handle it. And if the town police is in on it, well, there's there's the county and then there's the state. What the hell do we need the federal government involved here for? We don't. The only reason why we're having the federal government involved here is because the Biden White House coordinated with the National School Boards Association to craft a letter to then send to his attorney general to say, you get involved here. Because we want to make sure that our opposition knows we got lots of people with guns and lots of people with the ability to make your life miserable. No, I don't think parents are going to necessarily get locked up over this. But as I mentioned before, there are a lot of people who might work for the government, who go to speak at these school board meetings, who might have high profile jobs, who go speak at these school board meetings, who might be prominent members of their communities, who go speak at these school board meetings. Will they still do that, knowing the FBI might be listening? Might just want to maybe come and meet with them about what they might have meant when they said this? I don't know. But either way, if there's something that they're doing that's wrong, then you get local law enforcement involved. It's very, very simple. It's not that complicated, right? It's not that complicated. 
Biden's Attorney General Merrick, Gar- Merrick Garland admits he launched the probe targeting concerned parents for possible acts of domestic terrorism because of a letter from the National School Boards Association. The probe is absolutely about going after parents who speak at school boards. We know this. First sentence of your memo, the very first, first sentence. It's important you said, point again, months, there's Jim been Jordan. A disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, threats of violence. Yes. When did you first review the data showing this so-called disturbing uptick? So I read the letter, and we have been seeing over time threats. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't ask you. So you read the letter. That's, that's your source? So let me be clear. This is not a prosecution or an Is there some study, some effort, some investigation someone did that said there's been a disturbing uptick, or you just take the words of the National School Board Association? Well, the National School Board Association, which represents thousands of school boards and school board members, says that there are these kind of threats when we read in the newspapers reports of threats of violence, when that is in the context of threats of violence. The source all- for this, for the very first line in your, in your mouth. Time of the gentleman has expired. Was the school the board association the letter. Expired, Mr. Deutsch. And yes, it is the letter. And remember what the letter says, right? The letter says, on behalf of our state association and more than 90,000 school board members, most of them are Democrats, 14,000 local public school districts, most of them a bunch of libs, right? Educating more than 50 million school children, indoctrinating your kids. We would like you to get involved here. Get involved because of things like, and they quote this now, false inclusion of critical race theory within classroom instruction and curricula. This propaganda continues despite the fact that critical race theory is not taught in public schools and remains a complex law school and graduate school subject well beyond the scope of a K-12 through class. But they don't like the fact that parents are coming and speaking out against it. So, to make sure that we intimidate these parents into being good little boys and girls, we would like you to do the following. With local and state law enforcement agencies, work with public school officials in communities to prevent further disruptions to educational services and school district operations. But local law enforcement needs help, including help with monitoring the threat levels as these threats and acts of violence have become more prevalent. By the way, what are the threats? What are the acts of violence? They, they cite a couple of instances where local police arrested people, so the people were arrested. So what's the problem, though? Hmm? What's the issue then? Now, they're also asking now for the following federal agencies to be involved in making sure that you be good. U.S. Department of Justice, Federal Bureau of Investigation, U.S. Department of Homeland Security, U.S. Secret Service, National Threat Assessment Center, and the United States Postal Service through social media and other platforms and also around personal properties. They want a joint collaboration among federal law enforcement agencies and state and local law enforcement and with public, public school officials. And this is where it gets really fun, right? When they use the Department of Justice and the Department of Education and Homeland Security, along with the appropriate training, coordination, investigations, and enforcement mechanism from the FBI, including any technical assistance necessary from and state and local coordination with the National Security Branch and Counterterrorism Division, as well as any other federal agency with relevant jurisdictional authority and oversight. And they want this review to examine appropriate enforceable actions against these crimes and acts of violence under the Gun-Free School Zones Act, the Patriot Act in regards to domestic terrorism, the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act, the Violent Interference with Federally Protected Rights Statute, the Conspiracy Against Rights Statute, and Executive Order to Enforce All Applicable Federal Laws for the Protection of Students and Public School District Personnel and Any Related Measure. As the threats grow and news of extremist hate organizations showing up at school board meetings is being reported, this is a critical time for a proactive approach to deal with this difficult issue.
So remember this now. The school board's association, this is this letter is the basis of Merrick Garland then turning around and saying, sure, we'll wind up using our people. Sure, no problem. We'll turn around and, and, and let the federales be involved. But then he turns around and goes, I can't imagine any situation where a parent uh, will use a Patriot Act to go after a parent. It's literally cited in the letter, the Patriot Act, They're literally asking people now to do something in, in, in this letter. And the National School Boards Association, working with the White House to craft this letter, makes it very, very simple that it's what people are saying that really bothers them. For example, one person wrote a letter that said, we are coming after you and all the members on the Board of Education. You are forcing them to wear masks for no reason in this world other than control, and for that you will pay dearly. Another calls a school board member a filthy traitor. Ooh, and then also labels them as Marxist. Oh, no. Well, guess what? You're allowed to call them filthy traitors, and you can call them Marxist, too. That's right. Earlier this month, a student at Tennessee school was mocked during a board meeting for advocating masks in schools after testifying that his grandmother, who was an educator, died because of COVID-19. Hey, you're allowed to mock people, too. I know it's getting close to the point where we can't mock people, but for the time being, you can mock people. But they write the following about all these things. Ready? Further, this increasing violence is a clear and present danger to civic participation. In other words, the National School Boards Association, working with the White House now, believes that these words are violence. That words are, to quote Cher, like weapons and they wound sometimes. So you go to a meeting and you mock a kid or you call a a, a school board member a filthy fascist or a Marxist or anything like that. That's actually violence. Got it? In New Jersey, Ohio, and other states, anti-mask proponents are inciting chaos during board meetings. Chaos during board meetings? If that's the case, then are local cops being called in to end these meetings and get involved? I mean, I would think so, right? I do cite a couple of instances where people have been arrested in these various different school board meetings. So the individuals are, in fact, being brought to justice when they do cross the line. But why isn't the attorney general concerned with something in that sense, too? Are the civil rights of these individuals being trampled on? For example, an individual was arrested in Illinois for aggravated battery and disorderly conduct during a school board meeting. During two separate school board meetings in Michigan, an individual yelled a Nazi salute in protest to masking requirements, and another individual prompted the board to call a recess because of opposition to critical race theory. Now, what I'd like to know is this. If I were the Attorney General of the United States, I'd ask the following question. Well, we don't really approve at all of people doing Nazi salutes in protest because I just think that it's dumb to use Nazi comparisons. It's still protected speech by the First Amendment. So my question is, Attorney General of the United States, because I've got this whole civil rights division I have to protect and enforce, is are you trampling on the civil rights of this dad for speaking out just because you don't like the fact that he did a Nazi salute? Which, again, I don't endorse in any way, shape, or form because I also don't think it's really smart to do that for a lot of reasons because it doesn't really prove your point. But nevertheless, it's still protected speech. So are you just trampling on his First Amendment rights because you just don't like what he said so i'm actually going to send in the civil rights division of the department of justice to go in there and make sure you're not trampling on these people because these are not acts of violence when you talk about people saying things that you just don't like and just because the meeting gets raucous because parents are upset and you have to adjourn big deal it happens all the time at public meetings are you adjourning the meeting and kicking the public out because you're denying them of their civil rights These are the questions that I have. These are the questions that I would ask if I were the Attorney General of the United States. And I don't think this Attorney General is is concerned the least. He doesn't care. Why would he care? His people are on the left. These are lefties that that got him there. And he's loyal to them. I mean, after all, it was Republicans who stopped him from coming on the Supreme Court. So he's got a little bit of an axe to grind with these people, don't you think? A little bit, right?
Merrick Garland, what a disgrace as Attorney General of the United States. What an absolute disgrace this guy is. He's so incredibly political. So incredibly political. He doesn't know anything also about how many people were arrested for crossing the border. I'll get to that in just a second, too. But it's been quite a day on Capitol Hill, as as you can imagine. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Indeed it is, and I'm glad you're here today. Thanks for being here. Now, I just responded to a tweet where somebody said, uh, Eli Lake, who I, I respect, he's a great writer, he said, like most uh, sane people, I too was horrified by the AG's letter of parents and school boards. But since it was sent, the DOJ, including Garland today, has walked most of it back. It's only about violence and real threats of violence, he now says, acknowledging protests are First Amendment speech. But here's my response to that. I wrote back and said, the damage is done. It's an attempt to intimidate parents into remaining silent. There never should have been anything to walk back. And that's really the truth. Garland knew he wasn't going to be prosecuting parents for being disruptive at school board meetings. It was never about that. Just reminding them that the government's there, reminding them that the government could, reminding them that the government might, reminding them that the government should. That's all. Just enough to make you remember, just, you know, zip it. Just think twice. That's all. Connolly's Rice today on The View. I don't have to make white kids feel bad for being white. Condoleezza Rice blasting critical race theory. Of course, one of the issues that is, in fact, the big push that why parents are getting upset at school board meetings. Take a listen. Uh, the whole issue of critical race theory and what is and is not being taught. Uh, I come out of an academic uh, institution, and uh, this is a, something that academics debate. What is the role of race and so forth? And, and let me be very clear. I grew up in segregated Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't go to a movie theater or to a restaurant with my parents. I went to segregated schools till we moved to Denver. Mm-hmm. My parents never thought I was going to grow up in a world without prejudice, but they also told me that's somebody else's problem, not yours. You're going to overcome it, and you are going to be anything you want to be. And that's the message that I think we ought to be sending to kids. One of the worries that I have yeah, about great. the way that we're, we're talking about race is that it either seems so big that somehow white people now have to feel guilty for everything that happened in the past. I, I mm-hmm. don't think that's very productive. Or black people have to feel disempowered by mm-hmm. race. I would like black kids to be completely empowered to know that they are beautiful in their blackness. Mm-hmm. But in order to do that, I don't have to make white kids feel bad for being white. So somehow this is a conversation that has gone in the wrong direction. Well, I'm sure Joy Behar is going to jump in and white explain to Condi Rice. But uh, you got to tell that to President Biden, Madam Secretary, because the truth of the matter is President Biden today in front of the Martin Luther King Memorial said the uh, biggest bunch of terrorists in the country are, wait for it, from over. And finally, we're confronting the stains of what remains a deep stain on the soul of the nation, hate and white supremacy. You know, there's a tough through line of subjugation of enslaved people from our earliest days to the reigns of radicalized terror, the KKK, to Dr. King being assassinated. And through that, though that line continues to be the torches emerging from dark shadows in Charlottesville, Carrying out Nazi banners and chanting anti-Semitic spies. Charlottesville again. And Still with the Ku Klux Klan flag. Hundred people. And the violent, deadly insurrection on the Capitol nine months ago. It was about white supremacy, in my view. The 
the rise of hate crimes against Asian Americans during the pandemic and the rise of anti-Semitism here in America and around the world, the through line is that hate never goes away. It never, I thought, and all the years I've been involved, I thought once we got through it, it would go away. But it doesn't. It only hides. It only hides until some seeming legitimate person breathes some oxygen under the rocks where they're hiding and gives us some breath. I've said it before, and all my colleagues here know it. According to the United States intelligence community, domestic terrorism from white supremacists there it is. is the most lethal terrorist threat in the homeland. Most lethal To that end, our administration threat. is carrying Got out it? the first ever comprehensive effort to tackle the threat passed by domestic, posed by domestic terrorism, including white supremacy. Remember now, parents who speak up at meetings are also white supremacists. You heard that too. You heard that parents who speak up about critical race theory, for example, at school board meetings are also, yes, white supremacists. Basically, anything they don't like is white supremacists. Anything. That's this. They just. It's now a catch-all for everything. Now, are there white supremacists? Of yeah, I mean, there there definitely are. But we're talking about dozens of people. We're at Charlottesville. Dozens, and. Joe Biden wants everybody to believe this is the most critical threat facing our nation. Because the more they do that, the more they can push through curriculums like critical race theory. People aren't buying it, though. That's the bottom line. People aren't buying it. Uh, The left today is going after the Florida Surgeon General, who's black, by the way. Uh, But a lot of white supremacists on the left are going after him today, mocking him because he said unequivocally the data does not support masking school children. That's right. Dr. Joseph Ladapo issued a forceful rejection of mask mandates for kids at a press conference on Wednesday. And he said, masks, there's no evidence. Harvard-educated cardiologist, by the way, professor at the University of Florida College of Medicine, very smart guy, outspoken opponent of mask and vaccine mandates. Thank God for guys like him, right? Thank God, because we need guys like him, because we need to have people that are very, very smart and outspoken and then, of course, they'll get mocked by the left because that's what always happens to them. There's no doubt about that, right? They'll, they'll definitely uh, be belittled, be shamed because they're going against conventional wisdom, and it's what they always I, do. I want you guys to step back for a moment from what you hear sort of constantly on TV and just very briefly in terms of the data that, uh, that supports mask use in kids and mandates for masks in kids. It is very weak, and that's a fact. But there's a substantial gap between the quality of the data out there supporting masking kids, yielding any benefit for kids whatsoever, factual, and the what we're hearing from some of our public health leadership in other states and nationally. In Florida, we're going to stay close to the data, and we're going to let you know how we feel about the data. And the data do not support any clinical benefit for children in schools with mask mandates. The highest quality data find no evidence of benefit. And, and, that's how, and we're going to stick with that because that's what the data show. Um, and the other thing I'll just add is that, you know, as a parent, hearing these stories of other parents and what they're going through and seeing other parents around the country, these are impossible situations parents are being put in. Putting a mask, something on the face of your child, is, that's a parent's decision. It's not a school's decision. It's not a school board's decision. It's not a governor's decision. It's, it's no one else's decision except for the parent. And parents are being placed in these impossible situations related to the health of their children. Um, I'm here to help support parents in, in voicing how they feel 
their children should uh, should sort of present, should be in the world, and I'm going to be here to, to help with that, to support that. Yeah, it's interesting that U.S. Secretary of Education he's Governor he did, like, some tweet thread. Like, it was like a month ago, and he's like, see, follow the data on the mass. And he was citing, he cited a few studies. He cited one study from North Carolina which said forced masking of kids work, but it had no control group because that was required in every school. So they just said it worked without comparing it against what if you didn't do that. And people pointed that out immediately. Then he cited a study from the university or from uh, Wisconsin about it. And the researcher who did the study immediately responded to the tweet and said, we found no uh, conclusive evidence on the forced masking uh, and then and basically said that you should not use my study to do that. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Uh, good people, smart people are speaking out on this and thank God that they are because it's really important that they do that. It's very, very important that they do that. And I can't thank, I can't say enough good things about the people that take the time to, to actually push these issues. And rightfully so. I just wish Ron DeSantis was my governor and not this jerk of a king that we have. All right. All right. That's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed it. There's more on Merrick Garland I'll get to tomorrow. Don't worry about that. There's a lot more to say. But let me know what your thoughts on it. Give me your take. Remember, you may not be a domestic terrorist if you speak out at school board meetings. But you could be. So the FBI will be listening just in case. So you better be good. You hear me? You better be good.